true crime podcast where best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me is Willow. Hello. Hello. Stranger. I know. It's, now been... it's just been, everything's been a wreck. Yeah, it feels like it's been forever since I've been here. No, you just had to miss one episode for reasons. Yeah, but, oh man. Mm-hmm. This whole month felt like it's been like three or four years. Just right, I feel like I've been month. in a dark hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been long. It's over, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the last episode before Mm -hmm. our new theme, correct? Mm -hmm. So I will announce the new theme for next month. I know you're excited. I am. It's cults, part two, electric boogaloo. We're going to (laughs) do cults again. And I'm very excited. She's been waiting probably about a year and a half to do the... No, like since the last time we did it. I've been like waiting nearly two years Mm -hmm. to do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just find them fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's all levels of crime involved. And it's all weird. It's all like... Each episode is usually very vague, like very vastly different than the last. I know. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of variety. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. It's from all over the world. And I can't really comprehend, fully comprehend cults. I just, I like to. I'm going to be covering the twin flame cult. Oh, good. 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 I've seen. Because I hate that shit. I keep seeing the documentary, but I don't want to watch it quite yet. So I'll I'll wait. I've watched it like 40 times and it's really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm excited. I hope you guys had had a nice holiday. I didn't have a holiday. I don't. It didn't feel it. I ended up like pulling it out of my butt like last minute mm-hmm. and was able to get everybody a nice little gift. Mm-hmm. And somebody got me a present for Kremis, a listener. And so thank you. It was so Aww. nice. And I ended up taking my kids to a Chinese buffet <laughs> and uh, buying some art supplies and a new chair. Yeah. So I, you know what? Remember last year, y'all, I, I made a proclamation that I wanted the new year to be mid, like just calm and like a nothing year. <laughs> and it was. And it was. But you know what I want for, for 2024? <laughs> good. I want to have a good year for me. I really want a good year. We need it. We've oh. at least something positive, at least nice. something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, it would be comforting. Because <laughs> I've had enough. Thank you. Be very Good character development. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the next year is gonna be. Knock on wood stupid. before you speak. No, it's gonna be stupid. Yeah. Not for me personally. I live in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I'm safe, but I worry about all y'all in cities because I just think the election is going to be a fucking shit show disaster. I don't want no part of it. Yeah, I I really just want to be like a flamingo and put my head in the ground or something. That's an ostrich. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ, y'all. Help me. (laughs) Hamburger, help me. I'm so sorry. Is it, is it, is it, can you be dyslexic with animals? (laughs) No, that's just dumb. That's all right. You could be a dummy. I, got it switched like, up. I wish I look, look. All I want for Christmas is to be stupid. I happening. achieved it. 
Congratulations. So. Brain yeah. smooth. Thoughts slide right off. There they go. Girl, I'm so tired. <laughs> Me too. Hey, wow. What case are we covering today? Oh, I needed to say something stupid and laugh before we get into this. Because... I know. That's why I did this. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> this case, um, I've actually looked into this case numerous times for other themed months and um, couldn't stomach it. So uh, oh, just damn. trigger warning. I'm going to glaze over some of the really gruesome facts but just know that this is a very rough case. It's it's up there. It I I don't know if we've covered anything like this. So uh, you did liken it to our narco satanists case that we covered, and that was rough as fuck. Yeah, I'm not going to go into detail like I did in that case um, because there isn't any details. Um, but just with the scene alone, you can assume a lot of details, and I. Yeah. And this is an active serial killer that has yet to be caught. Vague. Yeah, we'll get into it. Arr, we'll get into arr, it. Arr, arr, arr. So, so yeah, at the end at the end we'll we'll kind of see how this fits into this theme, but um we don't know who the killer is. That's that's the point of that is we don't know. We have no idea. But uh yeah, this is the Ibadan Forest of Horror, a.k.a. the Soka Evil Forest, a.k.a. Nigeria's Death Factory. So trigger warnings for this case are dismemberment, mutilation, human remains, um, torture, brief mention of sexual assault, and human trafficking. So today's case takes place in Oyo State, Nigeria, located in the far west of the country, kind of close to the Gulf of Guinea. It was colonized for its abundant resources in iron ore, coal, limestone, tin, petroleum, and then eventually natural gas, zinc, and niobium. Niobium? I I thought this was a a mineral that you would know because it's very similar to titanium. It's a very, very strong Mm -hmm. metal. Um, so extremely abundant resources here in this country. Um, and it's not like, I know that with most Westerners, most Westerners, honestly, just like they hear the word Africa and they think it's a country instead of a continent. Um, and most people, uh, especially Westerners, think of Africa as just one big desert. Boy, that's not Africa, friends. Not at all. Like, it got forests. Yes. It has yes, grasslands, plains, yes. It has everything because like it's, a, it's a continent. Because it's a whole ass, it's a whole huge, ass huge, huge continent. continent. So, yeah. It's close to Europe. Yes, it is very much. It's right there. It's poop. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. I, I just, we don't really talk much about Africa in schools, um, especially where the way we talk about it is if the whole thing is some backwards third world country and that is not the case it's very insulting in fact third world is calling it that or even undeveloped it's not undeveloped not at all some places are but have y'all been to missouri (laughs) Hmm? i've driven through parts of missouri where i'm like lord have mercy i don't even think these folks got run of water no no. So I most, think yeah. I think most of the Midwest in the United States is an undeveloped country. Yeah. Okay. A thousand percent. Yeah. So it's not like desert. It's actually quite similar. Like the terrain there is actually quite similar to what it is here. It's very green. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rolling hills, like big, like small mountains. Africa's fucking there. beautiful, y'all. Mm-hmm. The cradle of life. Mm-hmm. That's where we all come well, from. Yeah. The original man. <laughs> yep. Um. 
But no yeah, to send the hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> so specifically here in Nigeria, they have teak forests, which teak is a very sought after tree. Yes, um, it it's usually like you know the outdoor uh, furniture is made out of teak, especially yes. because it is water resistant and yeah, it's just it's a very really fragrant wood as well. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful gorgeous. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, lots of teak forests as well as rural areas, farming areas, big cities, everything in between. It is a country so you're going to expect all of that but uh the soka forest is a teak forest located on the outskirts of ibadan city which is the capital of the oyo state um it is the third largest city in nigeria with a population of over 3.5 million people so this is a very big city bigger than where i'm from i bigger than anything i've ever seen (laughs) ever well no i've gone to houston Houston's pretty big. I don't know what its population is, but I've been to San Francisco, Los Angeles. Oh yeah, I've been there too. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know for sure. But I don't think those compare to this. So yeah, oh, lots well, of Los Angeles do. Well, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, but yeah, big city, big hustle bustle. You know, um, and it's a very culturally diverse city. Um, it was considered a melting pot to a lot of people. Lots of religious, uh, lots of different religions. Lots of really ancient history here. Um, Nigeria officially wasn't a republic until 1960. Did you know that? I did. I had no idea. Thanks, colonialism. Yeah. 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 Like, I didn't want to dig too much into the history of Nigeria just because I really wanted to focus on the case. But I did dig around and kind of try to figure this out because, man, that is... Well, anytime... and, And people... I don't think I don't think a lot of people and even myself before I started this podcast understand that it's really important if you're going to cover cases and not the United States to understand the cultural, sociological, economic, all of that stuff of a region because it affects how crime happens, how crimes are solved. And your viewpoint of those crimes, you have to understand the people that you're talking about if you're going to talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you might not get the story right. Or then you might mis, like misconstrue some things or, you know. You miss the subtext mm-hmm. in a lot of it if you mm-hmm. don't. Absolutely. And, you know, Africa, of course, yeah, we, we're comparing it to the United States because that's what we know because we right. live here. Right. But culturally, it is really different. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially with Islam being like the predominant religion mm-hmm. in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just culturally different. Doesn't mean bad. Yeah. It means different. Yeah. But that's why, like, people say don't get political. I'm sorry, but true crime is in and of itself a political animal. Especially this case. Especially. Yeah. yeah. This one's... Yeah. I'm off my soapbox now, though. I sit down. Oh, no, no. I appreciate it because not many, like, most of the, like, videos and podcasts that I listen to about this case, um, some of them really did get into the background and the history and all of this. <clears throat> Maybe not so much on the podcast because it does take up so much time, but they did get to understand it. But those that didn't, you could tell by the way that they told the story that they just didn't understand the cultural significance of some of the things that happened in this case. So I do think that that's obviously very important. I don't want to be ignorant to cultures. No. You know, just because I'm born way over here, you know. It's nice to learn in it. Absolutely. That's how I feel. Absolutely. And you know, another thing that's not taken into account is how cultures handle mental health. This is a big issue for this case. I'm glad you brought it up. Because mm-hmm. a lot of cultures mm-hmm. fucking don't. Yeah. In America, I'm looking at you too. <laughs> yeah. um, I was listening to a podcast about kind of a similar case to Andrea Yates, mm-hmm. where the woman was clearly showing signs of postpartum psychosis. Yeah. And 
boy, the hosts were so fucking ignorant. And they're huge. Like, they're hugely popular. It's heartbreaking. And I'm, and they're just like, yeah, she deserves to burn in hell. And I'm like, wow, this is a very sick woman. Yeah. And how many other women out there, or people we out there. listen to you say shit like that. <clears throat> that have experienced similar things. And, I mean, you can't help psychosis. That's not something you choose to very definition go into. of diminished yeah. capacity yeah if that woman weren't ill yeah she would not have hurt her babies mm-hmm. and so and i just think that she did it as punishment enough and maybe then we should look at the people around her because they weren't of diminished capacity and they should have stepped in and i'm sorry to get off on a tangent right. it just really upsets me when i see things misrepresented so when we dive into cultures politics mm-hmm. socioeconomic stuff and mental health, it's because all of those things affect true crime. And if you don't learn up on it, then yeah. you're going to sound like an ignorant piece of shit. <laughs> Period. It's true. It's true. And it's not like, you know, it's not like we've not fucked up on episodes before. We have fucked yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're here saying this because we learned. We're trying to do better yeah. every time. And yeah. I get really, I feel like some podcasts or even TV shows, because mm-hmm. like I see it on TV docuseries mm-hmm. all absolutely. the time. Absolutely. They generalize things like, oh, well, sex workers or, you and know. And they won't even say sex worker. I'll no, tell you right I, I censored myself. Thank you. But, you know, like they generalize people so that way they dehumanize them and, and put them into categories so that way they don't have to understand them. This is not entertainment. Mm. I mean, I hope you guys are entertained when we're being funny or cute or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I want us all to sit and think about stuff and just think more deeply about the events that happen in our world. We we can't always just live inside of our tiny little bubble. That's how we break the cycles mm -hmm. of abuse. And that's how this shit doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And especially things like this, because I know it doesn't just go on in Nigeria. I know it goes on around the world. And I know it's currently going on around the world in many different cultures and in many different cities and towns or like everywhere. And uh, this case in particular, it, it makes you feel so helpless. Like you can't do anything about it and you just have to let it. But, and, and yeah. And this is to combat it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's like talking about yeah. it, being like, aware of it, being aware, opening your mind mm-hmm. to other regions, cultures. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really important as a world community. We're all human beings. And we can mm-hmm. all learn from each other and learn from our mistakes and even if it just helps one person listening to help break cycles of abuse, to get them help, to get out of a scary situation, well, my God, that's that's all I want to do. I don't right. know about you. Right. So, yeah, that's why we're political. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes we is. But, yeah, the, the cultures of this city are, especially for someone like us who have been – in such a very small, um, grown up in a very small area, grown up in a very small town. And I grew up in a big town, but well, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. But like, we don't have multiple cultures. You know what I mean? It's just like not here. Not we don't. no, not here. Um, and if you do, it's it's similar. You know, it, there's not many. I feel like say. when people come to a small town like Eureka Springs. Instead of bringing their culture with them, they assimilate to the culture of the yes, town. Yes, That's how I feel. Yes. That don't mean I, I'm criticizing yes, it. I don't absolutely. think it's bad. I actually think absolutely. it's pretty cute. But like from somewhere like Tulsa, you are surrounded by different cultures every single day. Mm. And I think it's good for people. It's beautiful. No, it's beautiful. I like it. I think it's gorgeous. Um, this city in particular, I thought it was really interesting that there were hundreds, hundreds of different religions that were openly celebrated and you know different types of temples all over the city they speak like nigeria itself 
has over 525 native land languages. Wow, I did not know that. It's just, really cool. Just that country alone. 525 native languages. We all gonna learn today. Like, I just couldn't really grasp that fact because we're just so gung-ho about only knowing English and maybe some Spanish. Like, the fact that people grow up knowing all of these different... languages. Yeah, it's it's so cool to me. (laughs) It's just so admirable. And then you become an adult and the owl harasses you (laughs) and you're saying it wrong the duolingo owl (sighs) he's so ashamed of me i had such a good streak there for a while girl i had to unsubscribe to them emails because i was getting like moral dilemmas about it (laughs) (laughs) like girl how are you gonna listen to gonna put a hit out on me (laughs) (laughs) well i listen to like mostly spanish-speaking music and i can only catch words here and there (laughs) you know so i feel bad (laughs) but yeah no they're their um, official languages are English and French. Oh, dip. That's so, cool. like, that's what I mean, though. Like, all of these, I mean, centuries-old cultures, all speaking over 500 languages, but yet they still speak commonly English and French. That's colonialism. It is you. colonialism, but I just think, I mean, it sucks, but there is so much strength and power in that that like they can still keep their cultures alive while still i do think being america able to struggles speak to worldwide. find it's like cultural footing often oh we don't we don't we we, we killed the culture here we, keep we genocided to. it yeah. um there yeah there's hardly anything left we pulverized it the culture of america is stealing other cultures i'm not going to get on that soapbox either but i just i really admire um these types of places <laughs> I wish I melting were pots i, I think they're tra- beautiful i, I think it's everywhere. i think it's beautiful if i had the money i would definitely travel i would if i could go back in time i wouldn't i would have just traveled mm-hmm. yeah but whatever okay here's we're gonna get into the the rougher parts of the case not right ahead but we're gonna we're gonna get into the soca forest okay so the soca forest from a bird's eye view, it actually looks like just like a big wooded area in the middle of the city because there's like an interstate. There's the um, the Labos Ibadan Expressway right there, which is a major highway. It's near like the lower class neighborhoods and the industrial factories. So it's kind of like a wooded area, a forest, um, but in the middle of like the lower class section of the city. So... Um, like many cities around the world, um, but especially in Nigeria, Ibadan has a network of scooter and motorcycle taxis, and they're called the Okada Riders. Now, this is kind of like, you know, especially for the upper class and the upper echelon, it's kind of a lowbrow way of traveling, but it's cheap, and it gets you to and fro fairly quickly. They like to, you know, zip through traffic, weaving through cars. It's usually a very short distance. Uh, transport typically just you know a few minutes ride up around the block but all over the city you have all of these okada riders going to and fro giving people rides and most people refer to them as motorcycle gangs so like most of the you know especially like western media would refer to them as motorcycle gangs but honestly they're just they're just a business they're just a, a, a business that happen to have a community backing the riders stick together it's very similar to sex work on the street in that they are accessible to everyone and they have that sort of vulnerability. Um, They also have like local meetups and a system in place 
to make sure that they can check on each other. They're always making sure that each other is accounted for because crime does happen to them because they are accessible. And a lot of times, you know, like people would hire them for a ride and then not pay or they would end up getting jumped or, you know, what have you. And all they had to do was place a phone call and Okada writers would show up and, and help each other out. So they really do like utilize their power in numbers, you know, calling in from and, and if something really bad happens, like we'll see later in the case, they'll call Okada writers from other cities. So they have like a full on network of Okada writers. And I do believe that it's very common to, you know, when you move from city to city, you know, you always have a job with your Okada writers. Um, and they experience, you know, the vulnerability, the violence, the poverty, the lack of police priority, just as much as we see in cases with sex workers. So um, I do like the fact that we kind of get to shed that light on um, these types of individuals, people that, you know, have to go through these things because we see when we think vulnerability on the streets, we think sex workers and sex workers only. We usually think women or femme presenting people, but these are mostly men. Yeah. And people don't think about their vulnerability no, at all. But I can see it. I can see why they'd be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Extremely. Yeah. Extremely. And they're poor, like they're, you know, the lower class. And so this is, this case has a lot to do with classism. Oh, I figured it would. And it has a lot to do with, yeah. Don't they always though, kind of, if you look, if serial killer cases ultimately boil down to a predator amongst a group of vulnerable people Mm -hmm. who are lower class. The less than, the invisible victim. Mm -hmm. Because nobody Mm -hmm. give a fuck. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, the othered, the othered, the less than. Uh, in, in this city at this time, the Okada writers had been going missing. There had been about two or three by this point in, in 2014. Um, and one by one, they had been just going missing, just vanished. As well as some other impoverished people just snatched up off the streets of Ibadan. Kidnappings in the city were very common, especially at this time, but generally they had ransoms attached to them. With extreme poverty comes, you know, extreme measures and lines of work and this was actually a very common business in Nigeria like kidnapping was a business at this point and um you know there was an average of at least over a hundred people per month on average kidnapped for ransom in Nigeria alone so you know that was pretty normal to them but these were poor people. These were lower class people. These were unhoused people. Um, these were people. With, so they're not getting kidnapped for ransom. There's no ransom. No. There's no ransom. So where are they? They're just vanishing. No accountability there. And police had their hands full. And they definitely didn't prioritize their attention for them. Missing persons reports were going unnoticed and ignored, especially from the lower class citizens. The city, like many others across the globe, was going through a very ominous sort of quote unquote cleanup, if you will. Um, In 2011, the governor of the Oyo state put forth plans for the quote unquote urban renewal project. Now, this might (laughs) like this brought back a lot of like memories from that point of time. It's, it just feels like, I mean, it's been almost a decade since that point of time. So I um, kind of forgot that this was a thing, but this was a thing worldwide. Um, These were 
projects put into place, especially in, in big cities, that were to, quote unquote, beautify the city. So he was hoping hoping that the state capital, by by beautifying it, by cleaning it up, it would put the city on the map for being a very prosperous and thriving place, which sounds very glamorous and good, but it's essentially making sure that the lower class and the impoverished communities were removed, not renewed, as the slogan would, you know, make you believe. The cleanup was more than just like the garbage and the dilapidated buildings. They aimed to remove street vendors, food carts, and the unhoused camps. They were removing people. Mm-hmm. So this was, yeah, really big in the early 2000, or 2010s, um, especially like I saw it in Houston a lot, but like gentrification and urban displacement projects. Governments would build these concrete buildings and tell people that they were creating shelters for the unhoused, but it turned into either internment camps or in many situations, the buildings would just not get fully built and they would be like dilapidated and like falling in and people were just forced to either live in squalor or go back to the streets. And like this is, we see this in this country all the time. Yes. So a lot of people were like, well, that's Africa. You no, know, that's Nigeria. No, no, no. It's no, worldwide. No. It's in every single. It's pretty much in every country on spikes every continent. Spikes on benches, spikes on yeah, ground, and front yeah. storefronts. Any big city, mm-hmm. any big city. Raiding tent cities outside mm-hmm. of like um, taking bullshit. people to jail or prison for feeding the hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, setting up those like food booths for you know like feeding the needy. So something that I didn't realize until this case, the. Many U.S. cities across the United States gave homeless people one-way tickets to anywhere they wanted to go. Yeah. One way. Just to get them the fuck out. Just to get them out of their city. And now you may say, like, who cares? Or, like, why does it matter? Because shit like this, like we're about yeah. to talk they about. They named it Project Reconnect, and they touted it as like reconnecting homeless people with their families. But let's just be honest. If they had families to go to, they wouldn't be homeless. Uh-huh. Like, I speak as somebody who was homeless without Same. families to run to. Nobody. Where are they going to go? They're just going to go to the next city where they know other people who are also in the same position or might have like a flop house or they'll migrate to more temperate climate area yeah where it's safer to be it's just shuffling them around it is it's it's not helping anyone no it's creating more problems than good one-way tickets give them a home my god give them some money Uh, i just that's it (laughs) i'm just you fix it oh girl Mm mm-hmm it just really makes my blood Don't boil. Don't get me fucking started. It just really makes my blood boil. So many people assumed that these people that were going missing were part of one of these programs. It w- or possibly part of a, you know, they, maybe they were being taken to a mental health facility. No one could ever imagine what was really happening to them. And they probably would have never known had one Okada writer not been able to sneak his cell phone and call for help in March of 2014. A writer from Ibadan named Kazim. Now, we're going to use the name Kazim for this episode. Most sources name him as Kazim, but Kazim is a very common name. Um, many other sources also name him as Lanre Sidiku, um, 
or Abacuda. I've seen Abba, Abacuda, um, I've seen Lanray, so, but we're going to go with Kazim because that's what most of the news reports name him as. So the last time that Kazim saw his friends and family, or they had spoken to him, he was writing a customer, giving a customer a ride, and one of his cell phones got a call. He has a couple cell phones. A lot of um, a lot of working people have multiple cell phones, um, but especially him to be able to take multiple calls um, and various rides. So he had gotten a call on one of his cell phones, but he was taking a customer for a ride, so he didn't want to answer his phone, but his phone kept going off, and, and it, this person just kept calling and kept calling and kept calling. So he decided to pull over. He answered the call and it was an acquaintance of his saying that he needed a ride to the Soka forest and it was urgent. He needed to get there as soon as possible. So Kazim told the man that he was giving a ride right now in the opposite direction at the moment, but he would pick him up after. So as he's driving to drop off this customer, he sees the man in question on the side of the road exactly where he said he would be waiting for him. They wave at each other. The man, you know, acknowledges that there's another customer on the back of his motorcycle. You know, they exchange glances. He drops the man off. He circles back around to pick up this man. And Kazim was never seen again. That was it. That's all they knew is that he had one more customer for the night. He was headed to the Soka forest. He was going to head home afterwards and he never showed up. Now that night, whenever he didn't return home, a chain of phone calls went out among his friends and family, his loved ones, but also the Okada writers. And the next day it was on. Everyone was searching for him. The Okada riders began weaving through traffic, going down alleyways, looking everywhere they could think of, searching for Kazim. Then one of Kazim's best friends, a fellow Okada rider, received a phone call. It was Kazim. He told them that he had been kidnapped. He said that he had given the man a ride to the Soka forest where he was then attacked, blindfolded, and taken somewhere, somewhere into the forest. He didn't see where he was taken. He didn't see his captors, but he did believe that he was underground at this time, somewhere in the forest. And there were eight other people with them, held captive. Oh my God. So 10 members of the Okada riders created a search party and went out into the Soko forest to search for Kazim. Somewhere along the way, they crossed a bridge over the river, and down in the water, they saw Kazim's motorcycle. So they knew they had to be somewhat close. They ventured into the forest. Surrounding the forest, there were little factories and residential areas, and as they got deeper into the forest, they would see abandoned houses here and there, some abandoned construction and farming equipment, but nothing really suspicious until they got further into the forest, deep into the forest, there was a series of incomplete buildings, mostly made out of cinder blocks and concrete with no windows or doors. They were government buildings that were basically given up on mid-build. An abandoned complex. It was very eerie. It was very quiet. And there was a smell. The smell was so foul that the search party had actually smelled it for a while as they were walking through the forest. And 
They didn't really know what it was, but it did get stronger and stronger as they approached the compound. As they got closer, the eerie silence was broken by distant screams and pleads for water. They could hear people yelling, please, we need water. We're so thirsty. Please give us water. But they didn't see anyone. And then gunshots. Bullets pierced through the trees, firing at their direction. They could tell multiple people were shooting at them, so they retreated. They went back through the forest. They went back to their motorcycles, and they went back to their Okada riders, and they got back up. The 10 Okada riders told the others what they had experienced. They talked to them about the gunshots and the cries for help and how Kazim was being held captive with so many others. They had already told police about their missing Okada riders over the past few months, and nothing had been done. They called police and told them that, about Kazim that he had been missing. They told them that they had received phone calls from Kazim and that there was other captives and that there was people shooting at them in the forest, but they couldn't rely on the police. They had to act, and they had to act now. So over a 100 Okada riders stormed the forest. Banded together, they grabbed pretty much anything that they could. They grabbed so many different types of weapons, just inanimate objects, anything that they could bludgeon with. They grabbed, you know, handguns, swords, knives. Um, they grabbed um, bats. Um, one guy grabbed this huge set of bolt, bolt cutters, which did come in handy later on. Basically anything that they could find. And the gunmen must have seen them coming because... They were gone by the time they came back. They saw those hundred plus men burly and equipped with multiple types of weapons and they fled. Because by the time the Okada riders approached the compound, it was silent again and no gunshots came for them. They began searching the compound for captives. That's when they got another phone call. It was Kazim. The connection was poor. It was, you know, glitching here and there. But he said that he could hear footsteps. He said that he knew he was underground because he could hear footsteps overhead and people were talking. But then the phone was low battery. It started to beep and then it went dead. And that was the last time they heard of Kazim. Damn it. That was it. They never found him. Oh my God. They never fucking found him, dude. Ever. I got that. <laughs> I'm just like, those eight people and him are gone for good. Are gone for good. They were trapped underground and nobody found them. That's where they died. That's where they lay. And I don't know if there's other people like that. I bet there are. Exactly. There has to be. So the group searched and searched, but no underground bunker was found. Um, they went back to... Uh, search all of the other buildings. And what they did find was one of the most horrific scenes that we'll probably ever speak of on this podcast, hopefully. First of all, as they approached the compound, they did notice where the smell was coming from. They noticed skulls every now and then, human skulls just peppered throughout the forest. And the smell, that was the over 50 to 100 Decaying and discarded bodies just littered throughout the forest. My God. 
I think it was upwards of over 100. Just in varying states of decay. You know, you meant, I think you mentioned this case to me way back when we started the mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. That's how long mm-hmm. you've been waiting to do Yes, I'm Damn. telling you. They also saw um, various body parts scattered throughout as well. Hands, feet, limbs, lots of decapitated heads. And it was almost as if, you know, there were more as they got closer to the compound. Now, the bolt cutters came in handy first when they went to open a shipping container. And when they opened it, they saw that it was filled with personal effects. Clothing and shoes and stuff. Shoes, clothing, purses, baby toys. Oh, my God. Yeah. They approached the building that the men were shooting from, and inside they found a room filled with people chained to the walls. The bolt cutters were then used to set them free. Several of them ran for their lives and were never accounted for. One man was so emaciated that he stumbled out and died right as he was being rescued. So pitiful. They all looked as though they had varying levels of starvation, abuse, and neglect. They went searching through the other buildings for Kazim and any other victims who may be held captive. Most of the other buildings were vacant, but one they stumbled upon was completely filled with over 50 dead bodies. My God. Just stacked on top of each other, just covering the floor as if it was just a storage unit for trash, as if these people didn't matter. And, you know, Kazim's friends are still searching for him. Like, as there is a search team going through these buildings, there is equally a search team digging and digging and digging, just searching for him. And they kind of have that moment where they step back and they're like, what the fuck did we walk into? Like, right now, the estimated death toll is like, what, like two to three hundred? That they can see? Well, there there were people in other buildings that were rescue, rescued. And, um, yeah, still no sign of Kasim. Word had now gotten back to town, and the locals were talking. Some of the people that were rescued and fled went home and were able to speak to th- about their experiences, as well as some of the Okada writers that had been part of the search party. And as the local community found out about the Forest of Horrors, many people, including large groups of families, stormed the scene, both to, you know, as, as spectators, because they wanted to see what the fuck was happening, but also many of them were groups of people that had missing loved ones that they were searching for. And soon the police did end up showing up, and they did exactly what police do. They fucked everything up. They just fucked it all up. Now, they had not taken any of the phone calls seriously, obviously, but when word got out that the people were found in chains and that many had fled and then that con- that countless were dead, they decided, okay, maybe maybe we'll come check this out. Now, those that were able to get out alive but were too weak to flee were sent to hospitals. There were six Six 
that were left standing and unable to actually run away. Um, but they had endured so much trauma, so much abuse, and so much mal- malnourishment that they didn't have the physical ability to speak. They lost the physical ability to like really comprehend thoughts and even answer questions. Like their brains had deteriorated from malnourishment. My God. And it so it took a lot of therapy, a lot of like treatments in a hospital to even get to where they could speak again. They might have a hard time recalling all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, police, when they did come into the Soka Forest, they came with guns drawn. So it just terrified those people further. I'm on sure. the search party and on the families grieving yeah. and all of that, they came with guns drawn. They gathered up the six remaining survivors, they roped off the crime scene, and then they bulldozed it. Then they bulldozed it. Those people, that's not a proper burial they for those bulldozed people. bulldozed it. Fucking disgusting. You know what they built on top of it? A school. Fuck off. A school. Like, I didn't expect to cry. I'm just like, trying not to it's ball about so this. It's so inhumane. It is so inhumane. They don't fucking they care. They even the dignity. They don't fucking care. Clearly. Uh, yeah. No follow-ups on the IDs that they found. They found piles of IDs, piles of college IDs and passports. No follow-ups, no follow-ups on the missing persons and the literal hundreds of remains found on the compound. No follow-ups on those that escaped, nor any of the missing persons reports that could have been linked to the crime scenes. Nothing. Now the people of Ibadan were outraged. Like, well, for obvious a. reasons. Yeah. They began to riot, revolting against the government for not practicing for not protecting the remains of their dead loved ones and and they placed blame on the government officials for the murders. Yeah. Police surrounded the compound and opened fire on the crowd. One pregnant woman was shot and killed and many were injured. Just because they were demanding justice. Now, the governor of the Oyo state ended up addressing this crowd that was rioting, and he tried to tell them that it was a secret site for ritualistic killings that they had no idea of, and they had nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. He said, quote, We were informed that you, the residents, did not know what was happening here. As you did not know, so we too did not know. As you who live in... Or if you who live in the neighborhood did not know, then how could we who live far away know? So they're putting the blame on the community. No, they're putting the blame on this ghost, this, this you know, invisible well, it's force. It's kind of both, though. They're saying, well, like, if you're not talking to police or telling us anything, how can we know anything? I think it was twofold. Yeah. To, put, to shuffle the blame off onto the community and then to blame some supernatural fucking force. Right. Dumb. They just don't awful. want the blame on them. No. However, they can deflect it. But here's the thing. They likely knew. I think we could all gather that. Duh. So here's what I have been able to find about the location of the Forest of Horrors. Now, in nineteen ninety six a construction company was hired by the state government to turn it turn the nearby river, the river that they found his motorcycle in, mm-hmm. into a working canal. 
Now, that company didn't do a very good job, so um, they hired another construction company to build this canal. That company didn't do a very good job either. And basically, this was eating into state budget, and so they decided to just abandon the project altogether. That's why they saw abandoned construction equipment yeah, and random buildings and stuff. Yeah, that makes there. sense. So... Yeah, they just basically left the machines where they were. They fired the crew, and they were basically hoping to, you know, regroup later with a more fitting crew to finish the job. But that never really came. So by 1999, the property belonged solely to the state. And between 2005 and 2012, the property was home to a sewage treatment plant, which the state acquired state revenue from. (laughs) And it was eventually taken down because of the smell. Um, which I laugh at, not in a joking way at all. Um, it's just been a topic of my personal research of how cities put, um, the, like the really gross factories and the really gross industrial plants that have, that smell bad. They always put it near lower class. Of course. Cause fuck us. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We don't deserve to have nice scenery or good air. Or good water or good oh, air. No. Like there was one town where like it was like a bad factory and they they told the children not to play in the grass because the grass was like radioactive or some shit. It's like really the the, the poor people, their children can't play in grass. But those you, that happens to a rich neighborhood and I guarantee you oh, be the it'll be fake. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so we're just supposed to take it because that's what we deserve for being poor, right? Exactly. Right? So your babies deserve to be poisoned because because you're poor. Okay. Yeah, that's what they believe. <laughs> cool. And Let's it's every city. You look at any city. No, this is the all look worldwide. This any is city. And, and that's and what it's all, like. Like at some point, we all need to sit down and say enough is enough. Right. And turn this shit around. Right. Because is... you know what they need? Our labor, y'all. All of us that work at McDonald's or Walmart or you work repairing cars, or you do your plumbing and your air conditioning. All of us, they look down their nose at, what if we just pick a week and say, fuck it, we ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. The world would grind to a fucking halt, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I lost, <laughs> lost my train of thought. But yeah, so it was a sewage treatment plant, and the governor of the Oyo State he basically used this time period of it being a sewage treatment plant up until 2012 to say that there was no way that this could be um this ongoing like slaughterhouse basically because the the general public like the locals believed that this was a killing machine for over a decade at this point so from up until from 2004 until 2014, at this point, they are saying that it has been a decade of killing. And so the governor is like, no, there's no way it could have been a decade because it was, you know, a poo factory for, you know, until two years ago. He tried to use this to discredit people, people who knew that there were loved ones going missing for this whole decade, people that were watching their community literally vanish before their eyes for a decade calls going in (laughs) every single time for a decade and nobody would do anything about it and that's what the locals were uprising about and the governor was like just pulling at straws just trying to discredit them and um yeah 
the sewage treatment plant was then closed down and the government decided to use that property for the mentally ill. They said that their project was to oversee, quote, the evacuation of lunatics from Ibadan and its environment. Cool. And it was run by a consultant named Ibrahim Badamosi. Now, many people around Ibadan reported seeing mentally ill people snatched off the street by claiming to by people who were claiming to be from quote the ministry of environment and habitat they were late they were later admitted mm-hmm. that people that the people that they snatched off the streets were taken to a compound in the soka forest near the labos ibadan expressway so they basically said yes we are snatching people who we deem mentally ill taking them to a compound in the ibadan forest Like, I don't even have words for this. But the government officially just denied the claims of mistreatment and basically um, assured the public that they had reunited the mentally ill and unhoused people with their families. They were like, yeah, we snatched them off the street, but it was a very nice way of snatching. And and we we took them back home. They killed them. That's what I think. But yeah, they deemed this as a reunification. Oh, okay. So here's... A little bit of the cons- – so there's a lot of conspiracy behind this. Obviously, we're talking about it this month. We don't know who was doing the killings. Now, the locals around the Soka Forest who knew about the buildings there assumed that they were government-run mental health facilities and didn't question them whatsoever. Although a few people who lived nearby did report seeing a very nice black car driving down this the old dirt road by the old factories twice a day, every day, for years on end. That's so fucking creepy. They assumed it was a government official because, you know, it was a luxury vehicle, all Mm -hmm. black. They arrived at the exact same time and left at the exact same time every single day, only staying for about an hour before leaving. Like clockwork. Which didn't seem weird to anyone at that point until one of the survivors reported that they, that there would be new people delivered to the compound around the same time every single day. New people oh, God. Ride. Which would also tie into why the man on the phone with Kazim was in such a hurry because he had to make the time. Mm-hmm. And it would also um, make sense as to why so many people were able to run when they were freed. Because if there were people dropped off every single day. They'd be fresher and have more energy. Exactly. Exactly. So you have about a week of people that were able to run. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. So a guard named Abedin Akinmu, 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 Akinmu. Yes, that's what it is. Um, anyways, he admitted to local um, news outlets that he was involved in the Forest of Horrors. He said that he was hired by a man named Badamosi, mm-hmm. uh, who he suspected did work for the government to watch over the captives chained to the walls. He said that the people they brought in were dirty looking and that he was made to shave their heads and just watch them. You see, in in these types of of projects, quote unquote, there are several moving parts. There are several people orchestrating it. It's several people like you have this job, you have this job, you have this job. Yeah, but it's so compartmentalized that 
one part doesn't know who the other part exactly, is. Exactly, exactly. That's why it's kind of iffy on the theme because it's not necessarily a single serial killer, but it might be. But it's some serial killer fucking behavior. It might be. Might yeah. be one person at the top. I don't yeah. know. So a security guard from a nearby residential area came to the compound to see what all the local fuss was about because there was whispers. And he did find people in chains in very poor condition, but Badamosi was there. And Badamosi approached him and assured him that everything they were doing was legal and he provided government documents to back up all of his statements. Yeah, they killed those people. The government killed those fucking people. They did. Yeah, for real, for real. Most of the survivors of the Toka Forest said that they were kidnapped, grabbed off the street, forced into a car. Some were selling their wares. You know, some were like street vendors. Some were just simply travelers walking down the street. One woman, a woman named Cecilia, said that she was arrested in her front yard in a town five hours away. What the fuck? She was just standing in her front yard. So scary, dude. Yes. And she was an older woman. I think she was 60 at the time that she was found. Um, She was literally just about like her grandkids were there. And they said that she was just about to walk to the market, go get some things. She was just standing in her yard when what she assumed were police officers drove up, said that she was being arrested for some crime. She didn't, she couldn't really tell what she was being arrested for, but she wasn't going to fight the police. So she went, you right. know, she assumed, well, I guess I'll get bailed out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, well, I guess I'll figure this out. So she didn't resist arrest and she was instead taken to the Soka forest where she was one of the longest surviving captives found that day. She had been there since 2008. Jeez. She had been there for six years at that point. Oh, my God. So you see there's, like, different levels of starvation. Like, they allowed some people to... I guess if whoever they deemed most dangerous or most... Who wouldn't conform or most mentally ill... I have no who idea. Who knows what their sliding right. scale was, right? Right. Survivors later said that they were fed only once a week and the food was so rotten they couldn't eat it. Water was barely given to them at all, and they just starved, and most of them starved to death. They said that they never actually saw anyone killed, which was really hard for me to comprehend. There's over 300 dead bodies there, and they never saw, at least the ones that were found alive, never actually physically saw someone killed in front of them. The captors, from what they saw, the captors only came into their room to beat them. And to give them food. Some accounts said that some of the women captives were sexually assaulted. Other accounts said that none of them were sexually assaulted. One woman did give birth in the compound and her baby was immediately taken away and she never saw that baby. My God. But yeah, no one ever actually saw anybody murdered, but they did see bodies being carried out every now and then. So that could have been just people dying of starvation. That's it could still have been murder people killed. Captured and oh, nobody's feeding It's still murder, yeah. absolutely. But now this case is very heavily centered around superstition, magic, and rituals and the occult. So a lot of sources are going to say that this was ritualistic killings. Doesn't sound like it. I'm glad you said that because it doesn't sound like it to me either. No. Now, but I, I do have to give credit to the people that live there that do believe that it's ritualistic because, I mean, they live there. You know what I mean? It's I mean, there's part of their culture. I mean, there's something to be say, said for ritualistic starvation and torture. 
Well, and, and the cult, the cultural aspects of these rituals. So many people in Nigeria, especially in Nigeria, um, they believe that these illnesses, I mean, actually not just, I mean, I see this in a lot of different cultures around the world. They believe that mental illnesses were bad spirits. Well, hey. Or demons. They think that shit now, too. In America. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah, conversion well, camps are, I see it, I see are, it also you know? in a lot of, like... Um, Fundy shit. Uh, Caribbean cultures mm-hmm. and, like, close practices and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you see it everywhere. Um, Asian cultures as well. But um, they, they, they really are s- superstitious in Nigeria about um, mental illness being curses, yeah. A lot of times it's curses. And so you don't want to be around these people because you may become cursed. You know, that kind of thing. There's superstition. Well, they've got like, they think it has like a hitchhiker effect with it. That like right. if you're around right. it, then it'll happen right. to you. Right. It's not necessarily like in other cultures. I think we spoke about it recently where um, it's believed that, you know, you're born into poverty because you did something really terrible in your past life. It's not like that. It's like they believe that it's you're cursed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or bad omens, bad luck, that kind of thing. So local accounts dated back to two years prior in 2012, police were notified when four men were found escaping from the river in chains. They said that they looked, or they said that they were locked away in a treatment center for the mentally ill, but the officials would obviously deny this claim. But the people who reported this to the police, that the people who saw these four men you know, very, very emaciated with chains on their wrists. When they saw these men coming from the river and escaping torture, they called police because they were scared. They didn't call police because these people needed help. No, they called them to take them away. Exactly. They They feared for their own safety. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a lot of the cultural implications of this case is, you know, you have a lot of that too that, you wouldn't know unless you lived there. So shortly after the people were found in the Soka forest, crowds gathered around a man that they saw that they called a ritualist, a ritualist quote in disguise as a lunatic. He was arrested by police. Like these people had gathered around him, not just gathering around him. Like they, like a mob ensued. They were beating him because they deemed him like some sort of mystic, like, bad magician or something (laughs) like a like a bad person yeah now the local news reports um because so they were beating them the man or the police came and got him before the mob could actually do any damage and the reason why they were beating him what the local news reports said was that this man was carrying 25 human tongues on a string 25 human tongues. Okay, that's not good. Police tested those tongues. Were they human? It was sausage. It was sausage? Mm-hmm. Ha! And I just, I give those little glimpses, because, I mean, there's countless stories that are very similar to that. Mm-hmm. I give those little glimpses because that is what the locals were living in at the time, and I think a lot of this has to do with the 1999 arrest of a man named Clifford Orgy. Um, he was a, he was, he was somebody very similar to that. He was somebody who 
you know, projected that he was like this mystical, like he was like a homeless man that was like filled with like satanic powers or whatever, like, you know, like this like mystical troll under the bridge, right? But really he wasn't. It was almost like that lunatic disguise. And I use that word because that's what's used in there. Yes, I don't, we would I don't, never use the word lunatic no. to describe someone with mental health I use, issues. I use it with quotations because that's how, how they, they are saying it. Okay. How, they, how they would speak it. And that's like um, an official phrase. Like it's used in their government um, legislature and everything like that. So anyways, what he really was, he wasn't some sort of mentally ill person. He was actually an alleged cannibal and serial killer who was charged with a series of murders, kidnappings, and the sale of human body parts. So we think about, like, we think about, like, when serial killers are found out and they're arrested and then, like, the cultural impact of those serial killers and what that means. It's, like, for that city or that specific place, you kind of have, like, this boogeyman. Like, you have this, like, scary monster that you are now scared of. If you found this one, there's probably more out there and so you know you have something to be scared of. So you're trying to find... There's this theory called the red car theory and it's almost like... So as if... Say I were to tell you I would give you $100 for every red car you saw on the way here. Granted, we're at your house. We didn't drive anywhere. But you, yeah, you get what I'm you. saying. Yeah. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to remember how many red cars you saw on the way here. But if I were to tell you I'd give you $100 for every red car you saw on the way here before. I would tell you I saw 50,000 you you red cars. Well, no, there. you would be able to count every red car, right? Uh-huh. It's like that. Um, without knowing the dangers – they you're wouldn't not, be looking for it. it. Yeah. But now that they know the dangers, they're looking for it. Yeah. And so that's kind of the lens that the community it's has. Confirmation is, bias. Right, right. Yes. So, you know, mentally ill people could be, is possibly synonymous with murderers, with, you know, violent offenders. And I really do think that the government really leaned on this. Yeah, I agree with and that. And utilized it. And utilized it the, the superstitions of the To push the disinformation the of superstition. Exactly, exactly. You know, I hate to say this because it's going to make me sound like a kook. It's exactly how the UFO cover-up has gone in this country, like to the letter. Huh. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I could see that. You, What the government will do is deny, 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 and then they'll pick a person like a, somebody who's into UFOs and pick them and give them nothing but disinformation. So this person goes out in the world and says, oh, the government told me that there's lizard aliens drinking baby blood to discredit it even further, to push disinformation right. and right. to hide the truth continuously. That's how conspiracies of all kinds are made. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the government killed these fucking people. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Straight up. Yeah, straight up. Why, I don't know still. I still don't know why. And we're going to talk a little bit more of, of the local theories and what they think. But, I mean, pretty much everybody across the board believes that. Yeah. For sure. So, also, um, so this happened in 2014. The following year is 2015. That was an election year. Mm-hmm. So, there's, you know, a lot of things at stake for the higher up officials. Many people believe that these killings were part of rituals to bring good fortune to the parties, parties running. So these are going to be a lot of like democratic people, democratic leaders that would be doing these rituals. This is not uncommon. This is actually very normal, um, especially for these cultures to do rituals, you know, leading up to elections. Totally normal. 
There was found in the compound a big table in one of the buildings that was considered a ritualistic table or an altar that had... No, this is allegedly, because there wasn't any pictures or proof of this, because remember... They bulldozed it. Yeah. But allegedly there was a table with, um, like, a drip spout mm-hmm. to drip out all the blood and everything. So that's that's basically where they're getting a lot of, like, you know, this was definitely a ritualistic killing facility. Yeah, but without facility. photographic evidence or, you know... Right. But here's the thing. With these types of rituals, most of the time, the heads are used. Yes. That was the red flag for me. They weren't using their heads. They weren't using the heads. The heads were thrown out like garbage. They didn't need the heads. Yeah. They didn't need the limbs. And in these particular cultures, I know... Would use them. Would use used. them. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Especially the heads. Um, so, yeah, that's where it's just like, oh, I don't know if these were necessarily solely ritualistic killings now many people suspect that the compound was used for human trafficking which That's is where likely I'm it's likely That's where I'm leaning. sort of a warehouse for body parts some think that the body parts were being sold for ritualistic use so maybe like a bleed over between the two possibly conspiracies i could see that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you know you just store them in the human until they're ready to be sold and then you kill the human and sell off the body parts a lot of a lot of black market body parts are you know used in medical practices. We yes. see it all the time. Yes. So this is not unlikely. You know. Seems more reasonable to me. Right. Right. But yeah, either way, it would make sense that they were harvesting the organs and discarding the remains, especially when you think about like the fact that now we don't know if the the. 50 or so bodies that were found in that one building alone mm-hmm. that were just you know dead we don't know if they were disemboweled yeah, we or no we don't know for sure but it is likely that that was just like the discarded remnants of what they didn't need and then the organs were sold yeah we don't know um but yeah so we don't know if they were harvesting organs or if these people were just simply being starved I know that that might have something to do with the organ transplant process. Um, yeah, kind of a detox. Like, like a detox and, and getting rid of like fat, fatty parts of your body. Or mm, I don't, I don't think, know too I much. I don't think you'd starve somebody. For some of the organs, you starve somebody, especially the kidneys, will yeah, completely shut yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I don't think that really puts a nail in the in the har- harvesting organs for medical purposes on yeah. the black market. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Because you want to keep the specimen in decent condition. Because there are places like that in China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're illegal places. Yeah. Um, that, and they do not, that's not how they do it. They pretty much kill the person right away. Right away. Mm-hmm. And then you can just put the stuff like, why, in the Because, okay, here's the thing. If they're doing it to steal organs and sell them on the black market, you wouldn't keep someone captive a long period of time. You'd just off them right then. And, and why there. would you starve them like that? You wouldn't. You wouldn't even have a big building facility. You wouldn't need it. This is something else. It could be. This is this is my theory. It could be that they wanted to have this program for mentally ill people to get them off the streets, and maybe they went in with better intentions than how it turned out. But were they I don't. Just... I don't think there was any good intentions whatsoever. I think this is essentially systemic genocide. I think this is. Genocide. Yeah, I agree with you too. I think they're just because putting them in there to kill them. It, this isn't the. 
So in 2019 alone, over a, over a thousand individuals were freed from several just Islamic centers alone in very similar conditions. When I say that they're not the only ones, like the Ibadan forest was not the Soka forest was not the only. Oh, this one bothers me so much. Girl, there's there's too many to count. No, I'm and just it's bothered worldwide. I don't know the reason. It's worldwide. Fuck off. I hate this. What does it mean? So the so in 2019, yeah, a thousand people were rescued and accounted for so that you have no idea who wasn't. Um, now these institutions were raided and captives were found in various states of starvation, neglect and abuse, just like the Soka forest captives. One particular Islamic center held up to 500 people captive, boasting that they were doing what was necessary to quote, cleanse them of their quote impurities. This is a cultural cleansing. Yeah. This is this is literally extinguishing the lower class. Yes, literally. This is literally just killing people. And killing people for fun through starvation. Like, there's something really sick to this. And it's organized. Yeah. Dude, it's organized. It's organized as fuck. Here's the thing. If they're just trying to straight up just kill and disappear people then I, there are more efficient ways. Why aren't they, yeah, why aren't they just like firing squad and burying them into the ground? Yeah. You know, like, what is the starving bit? What is that? And it's, what the fuck is that? And they're centers. They're set up as centers, government owned centers. All right. This is fucking with me. It's making me go down weird rabbit holes. Right. And I'm telling you, it's not just Nigeria. It's not just Africa. It is, it is all over. All right. Y'all, I want to know y'all's opinions. Right. I want to know what right? the listeners think. It's, it's, it's a dehumanization of class. Absolutely. It is the upper echelon versus everyone else. And it's a tale as old as fucking sure time. Is. It's It's creating the others. You know, there's the people that run it and there's the people that work for you. That's it. Like... It's gross. It's disgusting. Like it. It's dehumanizing. And the fact that this is this is a silent genocide. This is a silent genocide and it's not based on race. It's not based on anything but class. And which obviously in the United States is we, yeah. We're here. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's it it like I said at the beginning, it's something that makes you feel just so helpless like i wish i could do something but i can't i'm over here and i'm only this big you know i have no money Ah, yeah i don't know okay here y'all if you're listening now is the time to hop into discord if you aren't on discord the link is in our link tree which will be in the description of this podcast come on and in and tell us what you think this is all about why are they starving what is this why is it government run what does the government have to gain from starving hundreds of people at at a time thousands thousands of people just starving them. So hop on Discord and please tell me what you think. Because like if there is like magical ties to this because there is a lot Maybe. of well there is a lot of rituals done like throughout their cultures and stuff and so And part of rituals even in western esoterica yeah is cleansing of the body and the spirit via fasting. Well and gaining power through suffering. Suffering. 
Yes. So what is this? Are they like creating like, like some a sort of battery? It, you know what I'm saying? It's it's been named a factory. It's been named a bar- body parts factory, a human factory, suffering factory, suffering factory, factory of horror, like. So I want you guys to, to hop on Discord and tell me what you think. Also, right. if you want to see pictures related to this case, please go to Patreon. All of yeah. our pictures are public. You do not have to be a paying member. You can join as a free member mm-hmm. or not even join just to look. I'm the picture master, and I have been slacking because I have not been in the right mental state. But, but on 20, this one, 2024 is going to be come. new for me, and I'm going to be the picture it's master. Be a new bitch. It's gonna, yeah, girl. Uh, as for the rest of business time, which I snuck in there. Did you see that, y'all? Mm-hmm. I snuck it on. No, you you did. didn't even get a transition. Yeah, That's how smooth I was. Smooth. I didn't even need to bust out the lube because you was ready, right? Mm-hmm. I know. Sexy. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling sexy today. No, You're I'm so not. sexy without the lube. I'm just, I'm just bloated. I ate too much Chinese food. <laughs> okay, PMSing. well, there we go. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Fuck you and fuck off. Anyway. Oh, speaking of which, y'all should come in. So we did a um, <laughs> we did a video chat or a voice chat in, in Discord, Discord. Yes. and it was so funny because it was just me and me and Lillian just being me and Lillian. I didn't realize like how mean we sound to each other, but we that's sound just evil. That's, yeah, that's just verbal tickling. Indeed, verbal tickling. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We like to talk fun. shit. We shit. love each other a lot, though. It's real uh, gross. But yeah. But we should. Yeah. Are we going to do it for New Year's Eve? Damn right we are. So if you want to like talk to me with your voice in your mm-hmm. head, and then I will answer you back. Yeah. And get in our Discord. We can, we can ring in the new year, and then we can hear from. Ding, ding. Th- then we can hear from people <laughs> of other um, time zones. Ooh. That'd be fun. Like everybody say, I'm Happy have a New little Year's. And- look, and to y'all, if you don't think I'm going to be zooted out of my own mind, <laughs> it'll be very I fun. Everybody would be. Yeah, and I mean drunk too, not just the marijuana. She never but drinks, but it'll be cute. Oh no, I get a little bubbly. I get some champagne, some moscato up yeah. in here. Cause I'm a bitch. I can't mm. drink wine. I'll throw up. But if it's sweet and bubbly, I can do it. And we will get zooted. We will talk on the Discord. We will have a fun time. It's so much fun. I didn't know how to do it. It took me like 14 years to figure it out. I find I was being so mean to Will because I was like, what are you, 85? Leave me the fuck alone. I, I really couldn't figure it out. But I did. I did. And so if you need any help, just ask me because I Did it all wrong it first. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you do need help, just if you have a so teenager. Cute. If you have a teenager, ask them. If you don't, message me or Willow and we will tell you how it's to like, do it. It's like back in the 90s when you would like conference call your friends. Yes. Get everybody on the same line. We would do that and call a boy and, and act like only one of us was talking and the rest of us would listen. So gay. Oh, that is really stupid. I didn't Love use it. it to those purposes. But that's Look, what we're going to do for New Year's. was weird. Okay. Yeah. But that's what we're going to do for New Year's. And you can come. And I'm even weirder on Discord. She's unhinged. Always, yep. because you want to know what my only resolution is for 2024? The only one I have. Not giving a fuck. Feral. Feral. Just become feral woman. Yeah. I don't want to ever do anything for anybody ever again. I just want to be fucking unhinged and goblin mode 24-7. Because I've had enough. I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off. <laughs> and I'm also uh, sleepy now. That, that took it out of me. I'm done. Yeah. See, when you get yeah, over 40, you're you just, get all you get five up. seconds mm-hmm. of like, Hur! and then all your gumption has faded away. That's all the business time I'm going to do. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, join our Patreon because yeah. it's rad. Yeah. And it helps support this podcast, yeah. y'all. It really does. It, it's Without it, we wouldn't us. be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. We owe everything to our patrons. Let me give you an example of what I've been doing with our Patreon earnings. Because mm-hmm. 
I don't get them to like keep them. No. They're in the bank for two seconds. Mm -hmm. I've been taking classes on video editing. Uh, I've gotten some video editing software and we've gotten camera equipment now. That's because video coming. I don't want to. I'm, I'm so nervous, y'all. Look, but at this point, because I've gone feral, I no longer care. If you're yeah. like, oh, Lillian, you're ugly. I'd be like, yeah, so, and so I'm your usually mom. the one behind the camera, so. Well, you'll have to get over yourself nerves. because we're doing this. Yeah. Anyway, I'm un too unhinged to continue, but I we'll love you later. all very much. We love you. And if, all hey, listen, <laughs> me and Willow work very hard, okay? Girl, very hard. Girl. Thankless work, even. This year was, it was hard. But we For got you. through it. You had it, your it was, shit. It was, the, it was the hardest year of my life, but we, I got through it. We got through it. And honestly, it was uh, in most part to our listeners. And um, Oh, yeah. You guys have really my helped God. me through some real bad my shit. My God. Right? Yep. Really appreciate so it. So I love y'all, and I'm not going to cry, but um, I'll see you in the next year. Hey! Happy New Year's. Happy Please New be safe for the love of God. Ooh, you Please be safe. better not. Don't make Stick me sad. together. Buddy system. Don't drive. Watch out for each other. Anything. Keep like if y'all are doing stuff, keep Narcan on you. Keep things that help each other out. Just take care of each other. Okay. Love each other. Don't consent to no search. Yeah. Don't you do it. Yeah. And 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 just watch out for each other. Don't no no man left behind, okay? Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Not in the year of our Lord. Do not leave your friend at that club alone. Nope. Okay. But anyway, if all you I can you. do to support <laughs> this podcast is yeah. send me some money on coffee. <laughs> Girl, you are. That would be cool. But if all you could do is listen because it's after Christmas and everyone is broke now. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you just as much. I don't have favorite children around here. <laughs> You're so weird. I know. I'm fucking weird today. Anyway, goodbye. Us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Libby.